What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Bucks Film Room Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sampson. You can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Brew Hoop and Forbes Sports. Well, folks, we finally have some real Bucks basketball to talk about. Well, I sort of, I guess. It's, it's a preseason, but Milwaukee, they're 2-0, and and they have gotten off to a really a tremendous start so far. It's really been great basketball to see. They took down the Chicago Bulls 122-112 to on Monday, and that was without Giannis, uh, Eric Bledsoe, or Chris Middleton playing in that game. And then they just obliterated the Utah Jazz on Wednesday night, or last night probably, depending on when you're listening to this. And they just absolutely set the tone from the beginning of this game. They just smoked them. So with it being the preseason, we try not to overreact too much. You know, it's you see all these sweeping proclamations across the NBA. So-and-so is a stud. So-and-so made the first ever three-pointer. The MVP is theirs, blah, blah, blah. And it's really, you know, we're not going to try to overreact here on this podcast. We're just going to try to keep it simple and just share what we're seeing so far. It's a really, you know, small sample size. It's great what we've seen so far. The Bucks, you know, they really are picking up right where they left off last year. And that's really great to see. But we're not going to try to come up with any sweeping sweeping overreactions. So the biggest thing that stood out, especially in this Wednesday night game against the Jazz, uh, because the Bucks, you know, they had they had their starting spot in. Uh, Ursan Ilyasova didn't play. Neither did Sterling Brown. But Giannis Antetokounmpo played. Uh, Eric Bledsoe played. Chris Middleton played. So they had probably their their normal starting five with Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews, Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. That's that's ninety five percent sure that's going to be their starting lineup uh, when everyone's healthy in the regular season. So that was nice to see that going um, tonight and. Just right away, that intensity of the game was just something that jumped off the charts and something that was was crazy to see. I mean, Giannis threw down a dunk really early in the first quarter where he caught the ball on the left wing and nudged Mike Conley a little bit, got an opening, threw it down, and then he started mean mugging in a preseason game. I'm sure you can find the highlights on ESPN, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever, but this dude was just mean mugging in the preseason game. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was going all out. He definitely does not need these preseason games to warm up or as a primer. He's ready to go he just set that tone early and that was amazing to see so yeah he was just all over the place and his teammates you know they fed off that too they had that intensity you could just feel it even coming through the tv screen or computer screen or phone screen whatever you're watching on you could really just feel that coming through and and that really just set the tone early for the bucks you know the lopez brothers they were playing hard they're getting after the refs and it was really just a great all-around effort by everybody so that was really just something that just you know was really evident from the start where that tone was set and the bucks even though it was it was a preseason game and even though they have 3 games left you know they were just going to come out and play really hard Milwaukee uh really just came out and just let us know right away and here some other quick thoughts that I have on the game is 
Kyle Korver, I mean, it was so much fun to watch him. He got hot from downtown, and this is why the Bucks got him. Not necessarily for these preseason games, but because he can get hot. He ended up being 3-for-3 three three from the outside, and two of those came off of assists from Giannis. One of them I can remember clearly. Giannis brought the ball up the right side of the floor, used a dribble to get to go to his left side, got into the middle of the lane, right about the free throw line, so it wasn't quite the middle of the lane, but to the middle of the court at the free throw line, and then wrapped a pass back around Corver. is somewhat low, but the defender was right there, but Corver just caught it, r- rose up a couple of feet on the three-point line, and just buried a three from the top of the key. It was really nice to see from Giannis and from Corver, and he had another assist, uh, I believe, to Corver in the, cor- in the corner. Corver in the corner, Corver in the corner. And it was just real, like, that that trigger that Corver has, he can just rise and fire in the smallest of spaces. That's what that's what Milwaukee brought him in here for. He might not be able to play a lick of defense, but he's fun to watch on offense. And another player who is kind of the opposite, Thanasis Adetokounmpo. He is really, you know, he's not very good at basketball, especially not on offense. He's okay maybe on defense but he's still fun as hell to watch he he plays hard he may piss off the opponents uh from time to time or more than from time to time but he flies all over the court he plays his hardest you know at media day and ever since he signed that two-year fully guaranteed contract with the bucks that's been the one promise that he's made and the one promise that his brother Giannis has made as well is that he's going to play hard. And so far, you know, he's done that. He flies in for rebounds. He works hard on defense. Um, he may not be the most talented player. And, and in my opinion, he's not an NBA caliber player. But he's still fun to watch. You know, you can't deny that. He goes hard. And you can't fault him for that. He he understands what his role is when he gets on that court as an energy guy. And he's just been all over the court. And it's been, it's been fun to see. So that's another quick takeaway. Uh, the other one I have is that I think the Lopez brothers playing together might be a real thing. They started on Monday night against the Chicago Bulls. They started with Robin filling in for Giannis, who was just out for rest reasons. Uh, and so they played some time there. And then today Robin came in uh, for Giannis in the first quarter. And then and they played some minutes together then. And I believe there's one other time as well where they shared the court. And so I think that's going to be a real thing. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out, of course. Ursan did not play tonight, uh, so that may have had part of it. Uh, DJ Wilson is still out with that hamstring, so that may play into it as well. We'll see what it looks like. Um, You know, those are two of the primary backup power forwards right there, so Robin is kind of forced into that. But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Robin's shooting too. He is continuing to shoot and make threes. He made one against the Bulls, which you know, is just incredible. You're not used to seeing that. And then he made another one, um, two, I believe. Just give me a second and I can check it here. But he made another couple against the Jazz as well. So that's just something that, you know, we're not necessarily used to seeing out of uh, out of Robin and something that I've written about over at Forbes Sports about what that might look like for Robin and, and talking about expecting him to take a huge jump in his three-point attempts. And yeah, he was one of two on the evening um, from downtown. So there you have it. He's made one three in each of his two preseason games. And so that must mean he's going to make about 100, 200 threes this year, right? Maybe not that much, but we'll see how that how this goes. It's been fun to watch him shoot and, and make threes. We'll see if that if that continues. 
So one of the the bigger things that come out of this game was an injury to Eric Bledsoe. Uh, he was he was ruled out of the game with what's being labeled as an oblique strain. Uh, I think it was the second quarter. He saw him go to the sidelines and he was grabbing his left side, if I remember correctly, or if I even know my lefts and rights. He was grabbing that left side, talking with a trainer. He was pulled from the game. He never went back in. Uh, the Bucks are labeling it as an oblique strain. Um, we'll see what that means. There wasn't more information that was immediately available. I'm sure he'll do some tests or see how it feels tomorrow or, or Thursday and, and kind of go from there. And at this point, there's no reason to play him the rest of the preseason Milwaukee still has a little bit of time until their regular season kicks off so we'll see how this goes that was kind of the big news to come out of this game is that that oblique strain and of course so but by the time most of you guys are listening to this it'll probably be Thursday October 10th so Milwaukee has their first regular season game in two weeks they open up on the 24th at Houston so that is kind of a big deal last year Bledsoe was the primary defender on Harden uh, for each of their games and they employed kind of a unique strategy you might say with Bledsoe really shading Harden and forcing him to go to his right and so we'll see how that looks because without Without Bledsoe and with the addition of Russell Westbrook to that roster, that really leaves the Bucks shorthanded on the perimeter. You know, Brogdon was one of their best perimeter defenders last year as well. He's gone, so they'll be looking at George Hill and Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton, maybe Sterling Brown, maybe I don't know who that third or fourth guard is going to be quite yet. So that's kind of looming on the horizon. But obviously, you know, Eric Bledsoe's health is the biggest thing. Hopefully it's not too serious. Hopefully a little rest, a little TLC will do him good. If he is out, George Hill will most likely slide into that starting spot. I mean, I don't know. They don't have necessarily another natural NBA caliber point guard on the roster. It's it's Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and then Frank Mason, who's on that two-way contract. So if he's out, I'm guessing Hill will slide into that starting spot. I'm guessing they'll use some of Frank Mason's NBA time once the G League starts. So he gets 45 days on the NBA roster, but that does not that ticker does not start until the G League actually starts. So they have a little bit of leeway there. So it's really George Hill and Frank Mason. They could potentially use like Dante DiVincenzo I would say he would be the next guy up um I don't know how I feel about that you know it's hard to evaluate DiVincenzo's game up to this point he barely played last year I mean he did show flashes of be able to make being able to make simple reads in the pick and roll being able to drop a pocket pass off a ball screen different things like that I just don't know if he has a the same type of ability defensively or offensively, you know, to run the offense and uh, to guard point guards on the other end. So we'll see, but I'm, I'm guessing that he'll be another option. He might be a better option than Frank Mason, who's at, he is officially listed at five foot 11. He might be a little better of an option, um, especially if you're looking at going up against Russell Westbrook in that first game um, and then Goran Dragic in that second game. And so we'll see what that looks like for him um, or for the Bucks and what route they, they go. They have a couple of different chance or different uh, options there at point guard. But this is also one of the risks when they traded away Brogdon to the Indiana Pacers is Brogdon would have been that guy. He could have slid 
down to the one or play the two uh, in this situation. And so that's just one of those risks that by trading Brogdon is if Bledsoe gets hurt, you're really left with George Hill and then kind of got to make your way, kind of a makeshift backup point guard there between between Mason and potentially DiVincenzo. Another one of my big takeaways, um, not only from Wednesday Wednesday night's game against the Jazz, but also from Monday night's game against the Bulls, is this emphasis on traveling. And it's one of the the referees' uh, points of emphasis this year, and they have been all over it. It's not necessarily the traveling, like the one-two step when you're driving to the basket. Most of what I've seen called has been the the focus on before you take your dribble. So when you're moving off that first pivot foot if you lift your pivot foot up before you put the ball down to dribble they're going to call that almost every time players had a little bit more leeway with that in the past but it was being called left and right especially on Wednesday night players are still trying to figure out exactly what that means you know they aren't happy about that but they're going to have to learn to be more disciplined either that or the refs are going to we'll see if the refs stick on it if or if they lose focus on this but so far it's been a tough adjustment not just for the Bucks, but also you know for the Jazz for the other NBA teams as well and so we'll see how this plays out but that's definitely that emphasis on traveling especially off your first dribble has you know has played out so far and the refs are at least doing what they've been told to lastly uh just a couple of big picture changes that i've noticed like schematically so Milwaukee's been running a lot more horns sets so far in these first two preseason games. It may not mean anything, but they've been coming up with some different and creative ways to get into the horn set. And for those of you who aren't exactly familiar with the horns, with horns or what that looks like, it's when you have a ball handler typically at the top of the key, and then it's typically two big men, one on each elbow, who then come and set a ball screen. So then the ball handler can go off either either big man for the ball screen. And then if he goes off like the guy on the right side, then that guy might dive to the hoop and the other guy would pop to the top of the key is kind of a basic horn set. There's so much that you can do out of this stuff, but that's a basic basic play call out of that is one guy dives, the other guy pops, and then it's just reading the defenders and where they're at. But you can also then... So that's three players. So then the other two players are usually spaced out in each corner. And so it's really just, there's so many different options that the Bucks have out of that. A lot of different teams run that in the NBA. I think it started over uh, in Europe and it's really made its way over here to the States. But that's something that, you know, the Bucks ran a little bit of last year, but have already seen it a ton more this year. And so we'll see how that continues to play out. I'm sure Boonholzer is not going to show his whole hand, especially in these meaningly meaning list preseason games and last year in Milwaukee he his offense continued to develop as the regular season went on you know the things that he started with at the beginning of the year they built upon those concepts and built upon those concepts and built upon those concepts all the way through the regular season in order you know their game kept evolving so opposing teams couldn't couldn't uh, feel comfortable with what was coming and I'm sure that Budenholzer has has the same type of plan as far as his offenses continuing to develop this year but that's been one of the the big changes offensively that I've noticed Uh, another one is their cross series where it is is just the typical cross screen um, where the ball handler usually comes up on the left hand side sometimes they do a lot of different things to 
get the ball handler there to get into the action, but the ball handler comes up on the left side of the court on the left wing, and then you have one guy on the block, on the left block, one guy on the right block, and then typically last year at least, then they had two guys like on the right elbow, so the the weak side elbow waiting to set a screen. So as the ball handler brought the ball up on the left side of the court, the guy on the left block would set a cross screen, which is where the name gets its where the set gets its name from. So the guy in the left block sets a cross screen for the guy in the right block who then comes and tries to post up. And then after the guy sets the screen, then he would shoot off of a double pin down screen off the right wing um, on the weak side wing there. So that was kind of the basic set last year. This year, one of the changes that I've already noticed is instead of having the two guys set the set that double pin down screen one of those guys is now in the in the weak side corner so in the right corner and the other guy is setting the screen and so it's something obviously that's hard to explain uh via podcast but i'm looking at creating a video on this as we get some more tape i don't want to overreact and have to overanalyze something that may not ever come to fruition but it's just something to keep an eye on it's little subtle changes like that this the base concept is still there you know they still want to get that post up usually it's run for Giannis or chris middleton and just to get them a post up on the left block um but we'll also see how this how this plays out and how this progresses i'll, I'll write an article about it with with different videos infused in there in order to help give you guys a better look about what that looks like um we'll see you know we'll see how that continues to develop and how that continues to progress but after two preseason games those are two of the the bigger offensive schematic changes overall the defense still looks like they're doing their drop pick and roll coverage where their big man drops all the way down you know on ball screens they still look like they're doing that you know last year they they had the league's best defense, so they don't really need to change anything up. Robin Lopez, one of their major additions, fits perfectly into that style. Um, I think it was Dean Maniat who tweeted, if not, excuse me, but I think it was him who had tweeted that Robin Lopez looks quicker off the ground on those little ball screens. So as the guard is bringing the ball to the hoop, he looks like he can get off his feet a little bit more to contest a shot or get a hand on those shots, um, which will be really helpful. You know, Brooke is is kind of slower at that, but he still has that length and that wingspan to to affect other people's shots. Um, but, it, but he was saying that Robin can get off the ground quicker to contest those or to get those blocks. So he seems to be a perfect addition. There aren't any major changes defensively that I've noticed so far. But again, it's all going to be pretty vanilla. You know, they have a bunch of two-way players or guys who won't be on the team for much longer than the preseason. And they also don't want to give away any of the stuff for the regular season. But we'll we'll see how that continues to progress. Lastly, I wanted to talk about celebrations. The Bucks have a bunch of players on their team, or at least four-ish players with really good celebrations, and and I don't know who has the best. So I was hoping that you guys could help me out. I was hoping that you guys could leave a comment wherever in 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 Brew Hoops comment section or in the comment sections on the podcast on iTunes or or Twitter or wherever. Who has the best celebration? You know, the couple of the major ones or the four major ones are Brooke Lopez and that cigarette or whatever he he 
smokes and throws it out after he hits it or I don't know if he's blown on his hand or whatever he's doing uh that's that's one of them of course he's in direct competition with his brother like always Robin 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 Lopez who like swirls the tea and then drinks that and Brooke even mimicked that the other night which was pretty funny on Monday night against the Bulls so we have Brooke Lopez and his smoking thing, Robin Lopez and his tea shot that he drinks. And then we have we have Wesley Matthews and his bow and arrow. We haven't really seen that much this preseason, but that's something that he does as well as that bow and arrow when he makes the three. And then I'm going to throw Giannis's mean mug in this category as well in, in the running for best celebration. Maybe I'll throw a poll up on Twitter. So make sure to follow me there on at Bucks Film Room. But also, if you don't have Twitter, we don't want to exclude you. So definitely comment with who you think it is. And, and maybe there's somebody that I'm forgetting that has a good celebration that I don't know about. Um, but we got Brooke Lopez and his smoke thing, whatever. Robin Lopez and the T. Wesley Matthews and his bow and arrow. And Giannis in the mean mug, which we got to see tonight. We got to see Robin Lopez's T thing uh, Wednesday night as well uh, against the Jazz. So we got to see two of those four. I don't know if I've really seen Wesley Matthews bow and arrow yet as a member of the Bucks, but we'll keep our eye on that. I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think anyone else really has any uh celebrations i mean ursan what he could do is take a fake charge after he uh hits a three that would be kind of cool just take a faux charge falling down on the ground well i don't know but those are the four let me know who you guys think is the best celebration and who you guys think deserves that or you know fill in your own if you think there's somebody else as a member of the current bucks so remember to either hit me up on twitter or to leave a comment in brew hoop section or comment in the itunes section as well um hit me up there and we'll see who has the best buck celebration well that's all that i have for you today folks Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I look forward to discussing this next week, next Thursday, to see kind of who won this uh, very, very formalized poll that we have going on here about who the best Bucks celebration is. Hope to catch you next time.